Welcome to our podcast channel, brought to you by the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. Subscribe to our channel as we provide you with curated content and in-depth conversations by industry experts and leaders across Singapore, ASEAN and the United Kingdom. In this episode, we bring you a podcast by our Leadership, Talent and Professional Development Committee as they share communication strategies, home-based learning and the various methods of teaching that schools and educators face during COVID-19. We're delighted to hear from Britcham members Anne Morgan, Paul Friend, Principal of North London Collegiate School Singapore and Christopher Shaw, Principal at Dovercourt International School Singapore. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to our British Chamber of Commerce Singapore podcast. I'm Anne Morgan and I'm a member of the Chamber's Leadership, Talent and Professional Development Committee. And we're bringing you a series of podcasts featuring leaders in our community. Those brave, bold people who are charged with leading their organisations at this time of unprecedented disruption. And today I'm joined by two leaders in the field of education. Paul Friend, who is the principal of the North London Collegiate School, an international school that's opening a new campus in Singapore in August of this year. And Christopher Short, who is the principal of Dover Court International School. And they've had a campus in Singapore since 1972. So a very warm welcome to both of you and a heartfelt thanks for taking time today to share your thoughts with us. And I'm going to open the conversation by talking about challenges. And my goodness, I know there's enough challenges out there for everyone and and yourselves, I'm sure, more than most. But I wanted to ask you, what's the biggest challenge you have at the moment and how are you working towards overcoming it? Perhaps, Paul, if we could start with you. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, gosh, what, what strange times we're, uh, we're all living in and, and certainly for, for us uh, educational leaders and unprecedented times. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm tempted to, to maybe take a, a step back and just reflect on how international school headship uh, has changed over the last decade or so, and I, I think experienced uh, international school heads such as myself and Chris would would probably say to you that 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 element of needing to lead in a crisis, that element of um, unpredictability, um, turbulent waters to navigate. There are so many metaphors that we can use. It, it's becoming more and more of a feature of uh, of our landscape and, and the, the area that we lead in. And that probably extends to other industries uh, beyond education. So the, the, the idea that we are thrown a curveball, the idea that suddenly something happens and, and takes us off those, those well-charted paths, uh, I, I don't think in itself is necessarily new. But of course, this is a really extreme scenario for us. And um, uh, and I, I think we're all learning to uh, to cope and handle the situation as we go along. And, and, and for me, that that's part of the challenge. Whenever you feel as a leader that you are, um, and maybe this is an exaggeration, but when you when you have that sense that you're almost making things up as you go along, 
that you don't have that leadership textbook to refer to that gives you, uh, you know, that the answer of, of how to react in certain times. That uncertainty as a leader, when, let's, let's be honest, particularly in a school situation, your whole community are looking to you for, for certainty, maybe even for answers, for solutions. Um, so, so that's, for, for me, always a, a really difficult position to be in as a, as a leader. Um, and and in, in particular, as, as you've said in your, in your introduction, I, I'm here to open uh, North London Collegiate School in Singapore. And we kicked off this project in August 2019 with a very clear idea of how that, uh, uh, how that journey w- was going to look. And of course, there is no way that we could have predicted that, uh, that a few months into that journey, we weren't able to meet prospective parents face to face. We weren't able to meet prospective uh, students um, so, uh, so so the challenges associated with um, with doing what we're doing and needing to, to deviate from that strategy and that path um, and, and I, I don't know how you feel Chris but it, you know very often in, in these uh, in these circumstances that that there's no one big single challenging factor it's actually it's that huge combination of, of factors that that all meet at, at, at the perfect storm point. Yeah, Paul. I think I think that's absolutely right. And I think I think the point you 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 made earlier was was also spot on in terms of, you know, uh, we're we're used to a sort of a day in and day out of dealing with with things. And I I, I don't know at what point uh, in my mind this shifted from just something we were dealing with, like you know, crises we dealt with before, into something that was obviously of a far far greater magnitude. Um, uh, which, which obviously we are now. I think the other, the other thing that resonated with me that you just said there as well is, is the sort of tone, you know, in terms of the role as a leader. You know, we, we've been, you know, we've had some really nice feedback on how calmly we've dealt with this, but I've, I've also been, uh, you know, I've also been really conscious that calm can seem complacent, you know, and especially in the early days, you know, we were trying to do things that we felt were going to be effective for deterrence. Um, and, uh, you know, but also try to make sure that we weren't, you know, we weren't dismissing the, the issues that were, were coming along. So I think I think those were the two, the two thoughts sort of early on in the in the in the process. Um, I think the biggest challenge now that we're we're running a, a school that's in, uh, you know, the the circuit breaker situation we're in at the moment, i.e., we're all at home, is is just trying to keep across of how people are, both both staff and students. You know, sort of used to being, I'm sure Paul's the same, used to being around the school, used to chatting to people, getting a feel for how things are. You know, you can usually pick up either directly or indirectly from other colleagues if, if people are struggling for whatever reason. And, and, and that's just much more difficult in this uh, in this situation. And, uh, you know, at the moment we've got people obviously in very different situations. We've got single people who are uh, sort of home alone, um, you know, looking after themselves and doing and doing their, their day job as well. And then obviously you've got people juggling families. So that, that, you know, that's the sort of immediate challenge, if you like. But, but I'd agree with everything Paul said in terms of the, the wider sphere uh, as we approach the challenge. I think well, those were both in, um, in, incredibly good points. You know, that unpredictability of what's going on at the moment and the fact that each day might bring an event that necessitates you changing your strategy. Um, and the fact that you have to communicate that change with people who are not in front of you. I mean, normally we would be conducting this podcast because we all live quite close to each other. We'd be in the same room. We'd be looking at each other. We'd be you know, exchanging that human contact. So now that you are all 
you know, in, you know, your whole team is spread into, you know, into a stay at home situation. How do you keep that communication going? How, how do you do that? It's a really important feature, isn't it? And, and certainly I've had uh, several moments during the last week or so where I, I found myself reflecting on, um, you, you know, those, um, those very informal, almost that there's a danger that you, you think they're trivial conversations where you, you, you maybe just pop next door into someone's office and you, you have a conversation or you, you've got a general question and as you're walking through a corridor, you bump into the right person and you have that exchange. Um, and it's at times like this you, you realise that, that that form of communication is, is so much more important than just the exchange of information. It's about staying in touch with people. It's about um, an understanding the the challenges that people are facing in their in their day to day work. It's about forming and building on and constantly building on that relationship uh, between individuals. And so we, we we've had a conversation recently amongst our uh, NRCS team where we we've we've spoken about those sort of interactions that actually for a week or so had become emails. Um, so, so those interactions where we would typically pop next door and have a chat with someone, they're now going into an email. So it, it, it may sound trivial and, and it, it kind of does as I, as I articulate this, but it's been important for us to say, pick up the phone, get onto WhatsApp, get onto a Google Hangout, because that, that eye-to-eye contact, whilst it's, not, it's absolutely not a substitute for being there in the same space, we, we, need, we need to maximise um, that face-to-face contact as much as we can, and and it 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 just makes you realise that when we, uh, for for me, when we talk about our staff well-being and our, our staff uh, mental health, being part of a team and belonging, is is maybe something that we take for granted, and um, you know I, I don't want to get too deeply philosophical over this, but but there's a there's a really good opportunity here that this experience will change. Um, our workplace habits and maybe it will enable us to place um, greater levels of importance on that uh, on that personal interaction. Interesting I mean Chris do you do you find that do you find that you're having to do a lot more communication now? Yeah I mean I I think uh, on the formal side of things yeah I mean at the height of uh, the height of um, the crisis unfolding, uh, what's it, five weeks ago, you know, we were sending out one, if not two emails a day. And, and you know, for, for that purpose, email, I think, was probably best because you were trying to make sure you can obviously get a team of people checking that, you know, you've got the meaning across because, you know, at certain times of the last few weeks, you know, you know being precise has been absolutely critical. Um, and, uh, and and so we sort of done, we, we did that for and, until we went on, on holiday and then we sort of scaled it back a little bit. Uh, and the same with staff, we were doing a daily email with staff. Um, we then looked at sort of trying to personalise that a little bit because as, as Paul suggests, you know, email is not necessarily the warmest way to communicate with people. So, you know, I, I did a couple of videos, which is, which is quite amusing. I was quite lucky because I happened to be, uh, I happened to be on... Uh, uh, quarantine with my son, who happens to have a little bit of a penchant for doing videos, so he, he became my unpaid cameraman, much to his annoyance, uh, the unpaid bit that is. 
Um, but uh, so that was really useful. We had parents asking if we could do sort of town halls online, but I found even even a family Saturday night Zoom is a little bit chaotic. So I've sort of kept away a little bit from that. We thought maybe about doing a YouTube video and, and using the comment section, but I think we're we're, we're doing our first parent uh, meeting tomorrow, but with a smaller group. So you know, hopefully that will that will work with sort of forty or fifty parents around a, around a specific topic. But the point that Paul makes there is absolutely critical. And, and in fact, interesting that, uh, you know, one of the joys of, of leadership is you work with, with your colleagues in different ways because everybody needs to be worked with. Um, that's not the right way of putting it in, in, in a different way. And I had one colleague who, you know, once a week would, would put something in my diary um, called various. And then um, she'd come in and, and we'd talk about a variety of things on her list. And then we'd talk about a variety of things on my list. And then we'd have a sort of more general conversation and a little bit of, mutual support um, and we've just uh, we've just come back to doing that virtually and sort of said to each other we need to sort of try and put this in once or twice a week you know just early morning before the rest of the day starts just to try and just talk through the things that aren't necessarily ready for an agendaed meeting but you know are really important just to keep uh, keep across each other there's an issue uh, as well isn't there about uh, about process and, and i'm reflecting here on a, a conversation i had with a, a good friend of mine who's uh, a head in the middle east at the moment and he was reflecting on you know schools are really complicated uh, places and and um it, it, if you've got a crisis that you need to respond to or you've got an issue that you need to communicate um with um with your community over then there is a really detailed process that you go through. You know, I, I would imagine in general terms, you've got a leadership team meeting um, together where you discuss them. You need to think about pastoral issues and safeguarding issues. You need to think about academic issues, operational issues. Typically your team would go out to their teams, discuss the issues at hand and you'd reconvene. And so uh, my, my friend was talking to me about uh, something happening on the Monday them getting ready to release a communication on Tuesday afternoon, having gone through these processes and the situation had changed. And so they then had to pull everyone back together to say this communication is no longer valid. They went through the same process and guess what? On the second iteration, things had changed again. And I think there's a real pressure at, at times like these for, for schools to, um, that there's a necessity for you to bypass the, the usual systems and processes that you have uh, in schools. I, I, I don't know, Chris, whether you've, whether you've experienced that and it resonates with you. Of course, oh. I, I'm, I'm not running a, a school at the moment, but, yeah. but I can imagine that's the case. Well, we, we, were, we were getting ready to put out a, a major communication uh, as the Prime Minister was announcing the extension to the circuit breaker. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, and that then delayed it by three days, because as you say, we, that, that, that did involve colleagues outside of Singapore, so it took a bit of time to sort of rejig that. But no, we, we put together, we're very lucky actually, we, we, our educational psychologist uh, used to run uh, crisis responses for South Wales. So she's been, uh, as you can imagine, a godsend in this uh, particular situation. Uh, and, we, and we put together a, an instant response team very early on and we were sort of meeting twice a day. And this is exactly what Paul was saying. We were just trying to speed up the, the response time so that, you know, what we were putting out wasn't, um, wasn't as, as lagged, time lagged as, as it could be. Um, but it also, and it, it goes back to something we were talking about earlier, it allowed us to sort of break things out and make sure, you know, right, you, you look after any vulnerable staff you think we have, you know, you make sure that we're coordinating with any, any families that we, 
we normally provide support to and, and obviously in this situation we need to provide additional or, or different support so yeah it, it is key i mean one of one of about a year ago um one of my team uh, changed my uh, singtel package to unlimited uh, phone call uh, minutes per month and i remember thinking phone calls how quaint is that but um, it's possibly been the most useful change that we've made in terms of administration because um you know i've, I've sort of made about i know, lost track of how many hours of time I've spent on the phone because, you know, it is a far better way of trying to get hold of people. That's a fascinating insight from both of you, that idea of marrying process, which is so important, with the need to communicate at different levels with different people and absolutely pick up the phone and keep the humanity of it going when, in fact, you also have to keep your eye on absolute accuracy in the process. I mean, my goodness, what a juggling act. That, that's incredible. But I'm just wondering as well, is trying to manage that communication with your team and the process, how do you keep the pupils in the picture as well? How, how, how do you keep them um, at the heart of what you do? And, and how can the parents help with that? I will just reflect. I mean, a, a measure of the bizarre times that we're in. We're, we're getting ready to open a school in August. And the, the one policy document that is already completed, finished, approved, signed off, is our distance learning policy. And, and just what a, what, a, what a statement of the times that we're living in, that before we're even open, we already have a very clear set of protocols as to how we educate children in the event of a school closure. Oh, my yeah. goodness, that was very uh, timely indeed. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's actually, I'll, I'll just go on from that point and I'll go back to, you know, go back to, to the, the sort of wider question you asked because, you know, that was one of the things um, that, that, that we were sort of conscious of because obviously we had, uh, unlike some parts of the world, like, you know, China and Vietnam and a couple of other places, you know, we had, we had quite a bit of time to sort of know what, what was possibly coming. Um, and, and yeah, we, we, we did exactly what Paul did and made sure we developed a policy and then we got procedures and, and got the software in place and all the rest of it. But one of the, one of the interesting questions we had, both from staff and from parents, was, uh, and obviously, as you can imagine, it became a little bit of a crescendo, was, you know, when are you going to communicate this? And, of course, it was a sort of double-edged sword. That if we communicate a plan that we hope not to use, then that sort of sends a certain message. Whereas if we, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, if we don't communicate at all, then it looks like we're being a little bit complacent and sort of laid back. So I think it was about a week before when we put out a sort of broad overview. And then as it turned out, we, we, had, a, we had a planned um, a plan move to, to learning from home uh, anyway. Um, events actually overtook us as it was, but it actually ended up being the same day that we started. Uh, and so we had, we'd had been able to go through that and we, we had a transition uh, process uh, built into I think at times that can be difficult. You know, I think when, you, when you're sitting in your, in, your, uh, in your room or your dining room table, as I used for a while, as a sort of office and you're, you're dealing with sort of crises, um, you know, you, you, you can, uh, because, it, because it's not directly what, what you're doing, you know, you can forget that, of course, in amongst all of this, we've got teachers who are still teaching their students, we've got our parents helping at home and, and, and dealing with that. The way we've done it structurally is, is just to make sure that the, the, the learning plans that we have are, are appropriate to each of the ages, you know, the age groups that we're talking to. So, you know, secondary M where all our children have their own uh, IT kit already uh, and they're pretty self, you know, uh, pretty, pretty self-sufficient. Um, then we've been able to run that program in a certain way, whereas obviously with, with three-year-olds who are used to uh, not being taught necessarily as, 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 as we might 
traditionally call it, but about initiating their own learning through through play and activity. You know, we've obviously had to come at that a, a, a different way uh, and support uh, and support teachers and parents uh, through that process. What has been the biggest surprise you've had over the last few months? This is all. This has taken us. This this event has taken us all a little bit by surprise. But you know, in in actually living through it through a, an educational uh, lens, what what's really surprised you? Uh, I'm I'm taking there, and uh, the, the the word surprise has got a very positive um, connotation for me. So I, I'm immediately thinking about the. The, the positive surprises, and I don't know whether the question is is, is aimed at the uh, at the opposite scenario. But immediately, what what sprang to mind was, you know, we we've got an awful lot of of parents that have uh, already enrolled their students in our school for for an August start. We're living through these uncertain times, and of course, I've been communicating with them. Um, to, to let them know that we've got a plan for this eventuality and we've got stresses in this particular area. Um, and, and, and for me, that sense of community is so important in a school and to, to feel that we have that already with so many of our parents um, reaching out to me uh, to, to give the message that, look, we, we know that these are really difficult times. These are unprecedented times. Uh, but if you need anything from us, we're here collectively to support the school. And, 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 and that's been um, a really positive, pleasant surprise. I, I, I didn't expect that, that level of support and that depth of support that we've, we've received from our parents. So that, that's been really heartening. I think there's lots of heartening stories. And, and, and absolutely, that has been a surprise. But Chris, what about you? Well, I mean, I'd echo that. I mean, you know, as as um, as many people know, uh, a crisis is a good way of finding out about people and 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 you know, really getting down into their soul. And, and I have to say, with very few exceptions, I, I would uh, I would agree with Paul's observation. You know, we we've we've uh, you know we've had we had some positive cases in school, and, and three of our staff are actually still in hospital or in, in quarantine centre. And you know, what's been really nice um, is uh, parents contacting me or staff contact a really nice moment sitting minding my own business one morning and uh, uh, two muffins turned up that uh, two of my two of my single staff had, had uh, sent to me to try and cheer me up because they, they knew it was all a bit uh, a, a bit tough shall we say uh the parents i don't know how they got hold of my dress but the parents sent me a hamper halfway through which was which was very pleasant and and you know those those are obviously the visible sides of things but it's just just the way we sort of come together one of our parents very early on um you know invented the hashtag dcis united um and that sort of stuck which was which was really nice and, and we've sort of taken that on um and then over the weekend um and, and i'm you know the, the, the sort of um charity or school uh, compilation sing-along is quite a popular um medium at the moment but I think this might be a first. Um, it's certainly not one I've come across where our, our parents did it off their own back. So, you know, we, we had uh, children um, and, and our families, you know, put this song together and then sent it to us, to, to the staff, which was just a really lovely gesture and, and, uh, and really, uh, you know, helped support us. So that, that you know, I'd, I'd agree with Paul. That's the thing I've come out of it is that, you know, Singapore expatriates in general have possibly got a reputation for being a little bit, flighty and you know we're here today gone tomorrow and all the rest of it but you know we, we've we've had a great great community reaction uh, over the last five or six weeks 
Well, that's, that's some very heartening stories there. And just to finish off our podcast, gentlemen, what do you think will be the legacy of this pandemic in the field of education? What do you think will change coming out of this? Um, you know, I, I, I think there's uh, I think there's an awful lot that, that will change, but maybe I, I'm drawn immediately to uh, to something that may not change and, and hopefully will be reinforced. And it's just um, the value of the teacher. Um, just, you know, that the, the fact that there is no substitute for a classroom with a dedicated, enthusiastic, inspirational teacher. And, uh, and I think we're experiencing here right across the globe, people just being reminded of that and that, that being reinforced. And, uh, uh, and so hopefully the, um, uh, the, the, the respect, the admiration that I think a lot of people have for, for teachers, maybe that will be uh, a little bit more widespread um and and we'll recognize a little bit more that the the excellent job that that our teachers do uh, i i think there's been um I, i'm i'm pretty sure chris's inbox is the same as mine with, with every day two or three different companies that i've never heard of telling me that they've cracked the online learning uh challenge and why don't you buy into this or buy into that uh and i i really do think there's going to be a disruption to that space within the next uh, within the next 12 months or so uh, I think we've, we've realized that while schools and teachers and students are, um, are making the best of a really challenging situation, I'm, I'm pretty sure that technology could make it easier than, than it has been. Uh, so I would expect some, some pretty significant movement in that, in that space in the next 12 months. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think, the, I think the Paul's point about teachers is, is spot on. You know, I mean, that, that, that's really... Um, that's really the one thing that, that's sort of been common across all schools that I'm aware of in terms of uh, online learning uh, or, or, or the various names that people have called the process, um, you know, that, that they just enable, um, hopefully, a teacher to, to replicate a bit of that. But Paul's absolutely right. You know, once we get back into the classroom, uh, physical classroom, then, then I, think, I think that'll be, be much appreciated. You know, I, I, I worry a little bit um, because, you know, having been through a few crises across the world and, and people say, oh, this will be a change, you know, and, and we won't go back to travel, for example, just to use an example outside for a second. And then lo and behold, we do this. This might be big enough that it does reinvent things. I think um, uh, I think the technology sphere, you know, uh, and, and Paul's, Paul's absolutely right. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I've lost track of the number of people who insist. And in fact... They, they, they seem to get a little bit uh, frustrated at the moment. I say, Mr. Short, I know she haven't replied, but uh, you know, that, that, I think I think we will have a distilling down to sort of see what you know. Let's look back over, you know, some countries have been doing this for three or four months now. You know, what was really helpful and what actually got in the way, and, and how can we then transition this back into the back into the classroom um, uh, full time, so to speak. Uh, assessment would be an interesting one because obviously within the British system, uh, where we're quite exam based to see whether that provokes a debate. I'm personally not quite sure about that one. Um, going back to Paul's comment earlier about uh, distance learning policies and, and contingency plans, I have a feeling that uh, the IB and the UK examples will be looking quite carefully at that because, you know, I think that uh, possibly understandably they were a little bit taken by surprise with that and, and, and some reacted quicker than others. So I think that, that'll be an interesting sort of change. But I, I, I'd I'd like to end on, on, on where Paul started this bit because I think it's the positive way of doing it, that the mechanisms and some of the processes and things may change. But if, if teaching as a, as a profession and teaching as it's 
as its core, which is about inspiring young people um, and and enabling them to to move on in their lives. I think uh, I think if that if, if if teaching comes out of it in a more positive way, then I think that that, that could be a, a real legacy of 2020. And that's a wonderful wonderful place to um, to draw our podcast to a close. Thank you both for sharing such interesting insights um, when you're in the eye of the storm. Uh, very, very interesting. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find this podcast uh, on Spotify uh, under Britcham Singapore. Uh, all our podcasts are there. And you can also find out more about the British Chamber podcasts on the website, uh, britcham.org.sg. Uh, thank you and wishing you all much fortitude and good health. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can share our podcasts and tag us in with the hashtag BritJamSG on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. For more information on the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore, please visit www.britcham.org.sg or should you wish to get involved with our podcasts, please feel free to contact us at info at